Welcome to Coming Out of the Spiritual Closet with your host, me, Brittany Wittig. Join me every week to explore and demystify the world of modern spirituality. This week, I interviewed Mary Sanker, a licensed clinical mental health therapist who helps women navigate the transitional times in life. Mary shared so much powerful, actionable advice in this episode. It was amazing. And you will walk away from this episode with a much deeper understanding of your emotions, their power, and how you can work with them. So enjoy the episode. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I am thrilled to have Mary here. I am very much looking forward to this conversation. So Mary, thank you for coming. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm very grateful that you're here to share your wisdom with us. Can you just like tell us a little bit about what you do, who you are? Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Mary Sanker. I'm a licensed therapist up in New Hampshire in America. And I I have a specialty in what's called psychoneuroimmunology, which is the study of the brain and the body. Um, and the immune system all together as one. And within that, I do tend to focus on the perinatal time period, though over the course of my work, I've worked with all types of humans and it all applies to all types of humans. And so I do, um, I run my own private practice. I run some groups and I also do consultations for those who don't live in New Hampshire. Wow. Interesting. So the perinatal period, could you define that for anybody who doesn't know exactly when that period is? Yeah. So it's anything from someone who's trying to conceive a child to, I mean, it's defined to six weeks postpartum, though I have a full belief that like one postpartum is forever, but also the early years of motherhood, which are zero to three, because the mom baby dia doesn't even begin to go away until after three years from trying to conceive to three years of age is where I like hang my, my shingle, if you will. Okay. Oh, interesting. That's great. Okay. I love this because I know, I know that there are many women in my audience who fall into that time period. Now, I also know that there are lots of women in my audience who expect to fall into that time period at some point in the near future. So this will be so informative for them. This is awesome. What brought you into that particular period? Like why, why is it that you like to work with women in that phase? I actually have always wanted to work with children. And then I got into the world of therapy and psychology. And I realized that it would be more effective to create change by directing my efforts to mothers because mothers are like some of the most powerful humans on the planets because they're directly then influencing their children who then right? Like the yes. scope, like out and out and out, like to where we're all connected. Right. And then I used to work in an emergency room at the hospital and this mother of three, she had three young children, like let's say five and under, I don't really remember the exact ages, but she came in seeking a psych- psychiatric hospitalization. And I was like, no, 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 no. You need to go to a hotel room and get some sleep. It was just like very, she didn't meet any other criteria for like actually having postpartum depression or anxiety. She was overwhelmed, under-resourced and just, she wasn't misguided, but the fact that somebody would go to the hospital, right. Versus like seeking respite and like rest and nourishment. And like, I just figured there had to be a better way. And it caused me, I can, I can be like a dog with a bone. It caused me like deep dive into like 
wise women traditions and neuroscience. And then I just kind of bring them all together for my clients. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And what comes up with me for me with that is that's, it makes so much sense to me in our culture, the way that we expect women to just like have a baby and get back to work, lose the weight, get back to work, get going. It's like, there's a cultural issue there where that, that woman felt that there was something psychologically wrong with her when what she really just needed was a totally normal, totally normal human resources, like sleep, you know, like a little space. Anyway, that's so interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's a really interesting story that leads right into this question. So why do you feel that are, we have this kind of very hustle and grind culture, which that story totally, I feel like aligns with that. Why do you feel like that hustle and grind culture takes such a toll on us and kind of really kind of makes some of us lose our minds in a way? Yeah. I mean, you're right that that was an accidental perfect segue because I was going to say to you when you were talking that it's a cultural thing, I actually think it's like an evolutionary mismatch thing, right? So the, like we live in this culture and when we don't have children or when we don't, I mean, I, I even see this, like, I'm not downplaying this at all, but like seeing humans who like take on a puppy, right? Like yeah. the, the puppy requires you to slow down. Children require you to slow down, but the world keeps going at this pace that we cannot, our children and our dogs and like we as humans cannot yeah. physically keep up with. Sometimes people say like move at the pace of life, which is way slower, like flowers, like think of a flower, right? I, I like like to bring it back to nature sometimes for people. And it's like a flower takes all year to bloom, right? And like it blooms and then it does its thing and it's beautiful and then it dies and it goes down, it rests and then it comes back up. When you have a child, you're going at this pace of life, which is not the like in your face social media or like, you know, quick news turnover. It's like a slow, long novel. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. That's so true. I love that example of looking at nature. I feel like that's looking at nature is such a great idea for so many different things, but this is, yeah, the pace of nature is not the pace that our modern, like you said, social media, uh, news, 24 hour news cycle world is traveling at. Even as I think about those things, my voice, like my pace increases. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. And cause it, and it makes sense, right? Like, uh, those things need new stories to keep going and going and going. And, you know, like we could take that as that is. I'm not saying that's good or bad. That's what that thing needs. But what we need as human, like, right? Yeah. We need, like, we need to slow down. We need to let our nervous system come back down. And unfortunately, what I'm seeing across humans is that we're trying so hard. And this is where like the hustle culture comes in. We're trying so hard to like make something work we're forgetting the rest and we're forgetting that we need to reset. So we're actually having to teach ourselves again, how to like relax, like truly relax. Um, and when you have a baby, I mean, there's, I feel like going into the whole physiology of it would like completely derail our conversations. I'm not going to do that, but it's so much changes in the body that it needs almost twice as long to heal. Right. So if you're pregnant for nine months, you almost need 18 months to even begin to start to feel like yourself. Oh, wow. Okay. That's really interesting. Are there things that women, and I'm sure there are, but, um, are there things that women 
can do even before like pregnancy, like if they know that they're going to want to get pregnant soon, is there anything that like, if someone's listening and they know that that's a road they want to go down soon, is there anything they can do proactively to start kind of preparing themselves or slowing themselves down even? Yeah. So part of it's a mindset shift. So the other thing you can do is one of my mentors, Rochelle Garcia, who owns innate postpartum um, care. She said that any person who knows that they're going to have a baby or wants to have a baby should use the first three days of their bleed as a mini postpartum. So even those who actually already had a baby can do this too. But what I mean by a mini postpartum is practicing like on the first day of your bleed, try not scheduling anything. It's going to be really hard at first, super hard at first. And then after that, so, cause one of the sayings in the postpartum world is five days in the bed, five days on the bed, five days next to the bed. So if you thought like the first day in the bed of your bleed, second day, right on it. And then the next day next to it. And so like, think of it that with scheduling, right? You're not going to want to do anything the first day, maybe some things the next and the third, you can do more. Um, you could have, you could practice having food, like not cooking those days and having food just prepared and, you know, either heated on the stove, um, or have somebody bring food to you. I think something that could benefit a lot of women is to practice receiving. That is such interesting advice. I, Mm -hmm. I love that. I mean, it's so actionable and it makes so much sense. And then yes, that piece about practicing receiving, oh, I feel like that is so, it's so hard for everybody in our modern world, but I think particularly women, you find, you know, I, women are so conditioned to give, 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 give rather than receive. Ooh, that's really interesting. I had a woman on the podcast and actually, um, she talked about this, about her own postpartum depression a little bit and how that was one of the things that was hardest for her was accepting the help that she needed. And so she didn't accept all the help that she needed. So yeah, learning to accept help before you need it. Ooh, that's so good. (sighs) Yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you. I'm sure that's going to be really helpful for people. So let's talk a little bit about emotions. Because when you reached out to me about coming on the podcast, you talked about how showing your emotions, all of your emotions is a way to befriend yourself. And that just resonates so strongly with me and my experience. So I was wondering if you could share a little bit about that. Yeah, I think that one of the most important things we need to start doing is to feel our feelings because there's, there's this almost, I'm going to call it like a new parenting rave, if you will, where we're and this is totally good. It's totally good. We're trying to help children feel their feelings, except we're forgetting that there's generations of people who've never been allowed to feel their feelings, right? It was like, stuff it down, like be seen, not heard. What are other things? Like anyone who was vulnerable, right? Like we didn't even know that yeah. shame was an emotion, like shame, not ashamed. Shame was emotion until, I don't know, like the word became popular almost 20 years ago, right? right. And so when I think about this and when I orient myself to this, I'm like, cool. I love that we're teaching this to children. What's happening to all the humans though, right? Like they're being triggered left and right. Because if you don't learn how to tolerate your emotions, you don't know what to do in that moment. And really emotions are just data points, like telling you, right. They're, they're trying to tell you something like anger is trying to tell you, stop, 
not to equate us to dogs too much in this episode, but what happens when like two dogs are fighting or two animals are fighting? One of them, like, it's like, I just picture like a puppy trying to go to an older dog. And eventually that older dog gets really mad at the puppy, right? Right. And lashes out. All that is in the animal world is stop. And we're not above the animal world. Like we don't get to bypass being this human, the human nature of us. And if we can learn to tolerate our emotions, I think that we'll become like, if you can learn to tolerate your emotions, you yourself are going to be seen as powerful by other people. Oh, that's so true. And I got to tell you, I absolutely love the animal comparisons. I, my background, I actually was a exotic animal trainer and a dog trainer. So yeah, funny. so you get it. Yeah. The funny thing is that I, once I left that and started working with humans, I see the comparison all the time. Yeah. Yeah. We're animals. We are. We are. We are. That is a brilliant example though, that like, yeah, in the animal kingdom, getting angry means stop. It it means stop. And then the animals move on with their day. It doesn't have to linger and be this big turmoil that it can turn into with humans for sure. I know so many people are afraid to express probably most of their challenging emotions. I know that I was, I, it took a lot of work and I'm still working on learning how to express the challenging emotions, the anger, the sadness. Um, yeah. It's so conditioned in us culturally. Yeah. 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 I, and I think we think, and me, I can't speak for everyone. I hear a lot though of Mary, if I feel that emotion, it's going to, it's going to feel, I'm going to feel like that forever. And one, I mean, the most direct thing I can say is no, no, like, no, you won't. Uh, If you were to wake up, I I just said this to my husband this morning, he got up, it was 530 in the morning. He didn't want to go to the gym. He was like, I'm so tired. I was like, and I said to him, you just shot out of bed, give yourself 10 minutes. You're going to feel totally different. And I'm saying that to say, like, if you were to track your emotions throughout the course of the day, you have more than 50, you probably have more than a hundred, right? Like it's just every moment are, we change. We're like, we're different. You and I are different from when we started this podcast. Like we're having different feelings right now. Right. Yeah. Um, and science has shown us that it's 90 seconds. So that like wave of emotion that comes over us, that's 90 seconds. You might say, well, it feels like it feels longer. Yeah, sure. After that 90 seconds, it's the thoughts in your head that are keeping that emotion alive. So you feel like it's the same thing, but actually it's something different, right? It's like you've moved on to the next, like you're feeding it is what I want to say. Like you're feeding that emotion by those thoughts in your head. The actual initial emotion, it's gone. Oh, this is so interesting. So what you're doing is as you're, as you're thinking about that emotion, you're reactivating it. Like you're re-experiencing it. But if you would just let yourself fully feel it for that 90 seconds, it could move through. Uh-huh. It's so great. Yeah. Yeah. That's so powerful. I mean, that's a powerful piece of information to know. And of course, I, I mean, I know many of us have deep habits Mm -hmm. around not doing it that way, but just knowing that gives someone the power to recognize like, Oh, I'm really pissed right now. Maybe I should walk away for three minutes or a minute and a half. Let myself feel this, like punch a pillow or something. And Mm -hmm. then move on with my day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I I mean, I'm, I'm a therapist, not a, not a, not someone who prescribes medicines, but I, you know, I give my clients homework because I 
I like, I think therapy is more effective when you're doing the work outside of therapy. However, that being said, I often with my moms and all of my clients, really, I often at some point during our work together say you need to go home and have a tantrum because I think like controlled tantrums are so underrated. Go home, set a timer, be by yourself, you know, or don't, but it's probably better by yourself. Lay on the floor, kick, punch. You're going to end up crying. Yeah. You just will. And that's great because the other part of emotions that we never got to learn is that. So what's an emotion, right? E, if we, if we look at the Latin of it, E is in motion. It's literally in motion. It's right there in front of us. And so by like with like anger or rage or what, like go break some plates, like let it out, get it physically out of you. If you're early in the postpartum, you're probably like, you need to be careful, right? Cause you're body is shifted. So you might not break plates or have a tantrum, but maybe you squeeze something with your hand or like you find some appropriate release to get that emotion out. Yes. Oh, oh, I love this. Yeah. One of my favorite ways to do this is, uh, in a car, like with closed Mm -hmm. windows, just scream at the top of my lungs. Boy, that feels so good when you need to get an emotion, like when you need to feel it, that it's just like, yes. Oh, that's, this is interesting. It's so validating for me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Mary. I really appreciate what you're sharing so much on so many levels. And I think this is going to be really helpful for people. Okay. So 90 seconds. 90 and seconds. So then we mentioned shame a little bit. Yeah. And I guess it started to get popular with Brene Brown, maybe. Oh, yeah. I love, I love, love, love Brene Brown. And so I feel like people are really starting to talk about shame even more now than I've ever heard before. So could you talk about the opposite of shame? You have mentioned uh, in the past that self-empowerment is the opposite of shame. So could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I like to say self-empowerment is when we use our emotions as tools by letting them direct us and we take responsibility for them. And then we use the emotions as information to create what we're craving, right? So shame tells you I am bad. If we stop almost like getting in the car with the emotion and letting the emotion drive us all around and we start and we slow ourselves down and we say, okay, right now I'm, I mean, we could even do, we could even do something like excitement because we don't always make the best decisions in excitement, right? We we think we do, but you're not grounded. Um, and so like, I'm really excited right now. Why is that? Okay. I just got this big, you know, I just landed this big thing I've been trying to do for a while. Cool. What do I need to do next? Right. So it's like, you know, you're excited. You're not going to like go do your taxes right now, but you might like cancel your plans for the day and go relax and celebrate. Right. Because that's what you need in that moment. If you're feeling sad or you didn't sleep like to use the the perinatal world, like you didn't sleep because the baby didn't sleep and you were supposed to go see a friend and you're feeling this like inner like guilt about, I really need to rest, but I'm supposed to be back out in the world. Own the guilt. You're not bad because of it, right? What is the guilt asking you to do? Is it asking you to rest or is it asking you to push through? And then you get to like use that as the data point to make your next choice. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So 
And this makes sense because I feel like there's a lot of shame going around culturally around motherhood. I feel like mothers get roped into shame about all, because there's a million different ways to do it right. I'm using air quotes very much here, people, (laughs) but um, I do, I do think that's a huge, a huge thing for um, mothers and parents, especially new mothers feeling shame around whether they're doing it right. So what's the difference between shame and guilt? So shame is a belief, like a a true belief internally that you are a bad person. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Like you are, like, when I say you are bad, I mean like you believe that you are the worst. Like there's no one, just just a horrible being, right? Which yeah. we know is, is not true. Right. Whereas guilt is this feeling of like, I'm doing something wrong or I'm, I'm not enough sometimes or. Gotcha. I definitely think they dance along the same line. Um, but with guilt, you're not necessarily thinking like I'm the I'm I'm totally the worst. I can I'm really bad. Like there's no saving me. Yeah. Gotcha. That makes sense. So guilt is more like shame is like I am bad and guilt is more around maybe I did something bad or I did something I wish I didn't do or something something like that. I feel like guilt and martyrdom kind of go better together, right? Like mm, martyrdom is okay. the idea of like, you have to like a little, it's like a little passive aggressive and you're doing things because you want other people. You're doing it to please other people, but it's not what's serving you. Okay. And I actually, in motherhood specifically, I don't, I don't know if the rest of the world would agree with me on this, but I see guilt come in as like, in part when women are doing the things that they want to be doing. Okay. You know, like you're guilty if you send your kid to daycare, you're guilty if you aren't crunchy enough, you're guilty. But when, it, like, when I suff down what's like really happening, it's like, well, what's good for me is, you know, to be a part time mom and a little bit crunchy, but not the crunchiest. And that's like cool, but there's no validation from the world. And then they take that to me and like, I must be doing something wrong. Not I'm bad, but I must be doing something wrong because I don't see myself anywhere else in the world. Ah, okay. Interesting. That definitely makes sense. So martyrdom and guilt are related. So self-empowerment, doing what actually the mother doing what she actually needs for herself. That w- That is like the opposite of shame because she's she's like, I am doing what I authentically need. Yeah. Yeah. And I something, you know, to check in with yourself around is like how, cause when people are like, well, I, I don't think this really applies to me. I'm like, great. I love that. And also how many times a day do you change your shirt? Like if you tell yourself in the morning, like I'm going to get up and I'm going to wear the green shirt and you put the green shirt on and then you're like, Oh, actually I want the blue shirt. Oh, now I want the yellow shirt. That tells me that you're not listening to yourself, right? Like, because sometimes we put on the green shirt and we can tell it's wrong and we very calmly change the shirt. And it's like, we have the right, but other yeah. times it's like, I really do want to wear this shirt, but it's, uh, it doesn't look a hundred percent right. Or uh, like, and we find all of these reasons that we can't do the thing we want to do. Ah, and then I, right. And then I think we like slap an emotion on it and we like claim that like, that can't be right. Oh yeah. Okay. If someone wants to, and especially if a new mom or a soon to be mom um, wants to create more peace mm-hmm. in their day to day. You have some tips for that. And I think it would be yeah. awesome and very helpful. 
if you could share some of those. Yeah. So one of the things that I've, I'm sure, I'm sure there's other people who have coined it differently. I like to call it future living. So catching yourself in living, not in the right now, right? So coming back into this moment, as weird as it sounds, it's going to create peace for you because what in this moment is really happening, right? So when you're finding that you're feeling anxious or overwhelmed, or there's a sense of urgency, you you get this like, or you start to notice like things are getting haywire. One of my mentors calls it like getting the dropsies. Like when she's getting the, when she can't hold anything in her hands, she knows she needs to slow down. She's not actually in this moment. So what can you do to bring yourself back into this moment? Laughter is huge. Like if you are having a moment of the dropsies or if, if you're covered in baby poop or you didn't get to sleep, it's how do you find humor in that moment? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and with that, it's like bringing this sense of playfulness into our lives. Something we use in our house when I'm, when, when I'm starting to get overwhelmed, quite frankly, is, um, is the sound. It's actually one of my other mentors, her name's Donna Maria Camps, and she, gave this to me. She said it means the sound of love and it's, ah, and I can't tell you how long it took me to like get myself to be able to make that sound, which tells you how wound up I was at one point. Um, and now my kids and I, like my daughter, I'll just, she's, you know, when this comes out, she'll be a little bit older, but she's 18 months right now. And she'll just walk around the house, sometimes make that sound. And it's, it's so lovely. And it's such a reminder of like, playfulness, right? Like we use it. Yes. Love, but also like, ah, like when things are getting too intense, we all are just let it out. Wow. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's such an interesting recommendation. It's so simple. Yeah. Um, and then something else specific to anger and rage is take your hands and run them under cold water. Really? Yeah. Well, so you know, think of the elements, right? Rage and anger are hot. They're fiery. And right. so you, you not only are they telling you to stop, they're telling you to cool down. And so right. go and put your hands under the water. Go have that tantrum. Take the water and splash it on your face. Hold a piece of ice. The polyvagal system runs, you know, from your head to your toes. And it's um, 20% from our brain to our body and 80% from our body to our brain. Wow. So if you're mentally, right, these, because we're coming back to this like anxious, overwhelmed sense of urgency, your brain is like telling you all the things, cool your body down, calm your body down. Oh, I love that so much. I've never heard anyone recommend like holding ice and I absolutely love that. It also, it's interesting just thinking about how those emotions are hot. That also what comes up for me is um, like Ayurveda, which Mm -hmm. is I, and many episodes back for anyone listening, there is an episode where I interview an Ayurvedic coach. So if you want to learn more about that, check that one out too. Um, But that is so brilliant. I am going to try that because one thing that I, I'm very into stimulating my vagus nerve. It's really helpful mm-hmm. for me. And one, one way I have done that is taking a cold shower. Um, but that's kind of a big commitment. Like if you're in the middle of your day, right. But being able to just hold some ice or run my hands under cold water, that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. That's a great tip. Thank you. Yeah. Any more of those? Yeah. And the last one I would say is, um, something called 
progressive muscle relaxation. And I like this one because you can do it. I mean, in today's day and age, you can do it over zoom. You could do it in an interview. You could do it. Like, it's not something that other people, like you said, like a cold shower is a commitment, even going to the bathroom to run your hands under water is a commitment. Um, so what you would do is wherever you are, choose at minimum three muscle groups and one at a time, you're going to squeeze them for 30 seconds. Okay. And in doing that again, right. If we think of this like super highway from your brain to your body, if you can tighten a muscle and then release that muscle, that's going to send like the relax. It's going to highlight the parts of your brain that say, Oh, we're relaxing now. So you want to do, you know, your arms, your butt, your legs, your stomach, anything, and you're going to try to do that for 30 seconds. And, you know, I like to say anything you can make, make, make tighter and release, do that. It's best if you can do your whole body, but if you can only do three, it's going to send enough signals to your brain that like, oh, we're going to start to cool down now. We're going to like take our pause and come back. Ooh, okay, great. That's, that's wonderful. I love that because you can do that anywhere. No one's going to know you're doing it. You know, yeah. if you're in public and you just need to do something like that really quickly, that's such a great tip. Okay. And so any, so like groups of muscles would be like maybe my hands and my yeah. butt and my <sighs> shoulders or something. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Gotcha. Ooh, thank you. That's, these are great tips. I'm going to start using these for myself right away. So Mary, if, if someone is listening and they would like to work with you, how would they do that? How would they get in touch with you? Yeah. So if someone's listening, you want to work with me, just a reminder, my name's Mary Sanker. This will be in the show notes, but my website's marymartina.com. Therapists are kind of funny. You have to have a fair, you have to have a license to practice in the state. So if you're in New Hampshire, by chance, you can come work with me. If you're not, I do run a mom's group and I also do consultations. They're 90 minute consultations. They are able to be virtual. They're, you know, you can be one and done. Like what I love about the consultations is that it's a deep dive into whatever the thing is. And I try my best, like just like in this podcast, to give you actionable items to walk away with so that you don't really need anybody. But also if you wanted, I will I'm very happy to connect you to local resources in your area, or there's something that can be done monthly for a short term. So those are the best ways to work with me for these podcast listeners. If you use the code feel the feels, I'll give you 40% off of the consultation. Ooh. Okay. Awesome. So everyone listening, all that information is in the show notes. You can just scroll right down there and get access to all of that. That is a really cool, uh, you know, 40% off code. So be sure you jump on that. That's awesome. Thank you very much. Then Mary, thank you so much for being here. This has been an awesome interview. Thanks for having me. All right. And everyone, thank you for listening. I'll catch you next week.